You are listening to Half Torah, the sheer series which explores the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Half Torah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayigash, and the Half Torah comes to you from Sefer Yechezkel. This is the first Half Torah in five weeks that we are not reading from the Treasar, at least in this cycle. Since Parsha's told us, we had been reading a Half Torah that comes from the Treasar. Told us we read Malachi. For Vayetze, we read from Hosea. From Vayishlach, we read from Ovanya. And then for, for Vayeshev, we read from Amos. And then from Miketz, it was Shabbos Chanukah, so we read from Zechariah. We know that the regular Haftorah for Miketz is actually from, say, from Malachim. And even though I refer to it as the regular Haftorah, of course, it is quite irregular that we actually read it. It's one of the rarest Haftorahs that we find in the entire system of Haftorahs. And we did a share on that a couple of years ago when we actually read that very rare Haftorah when Shabbos Chanukah did not coincide with Miketz. And you can go back to the archives to the Real Talk Torah series where we discussed that most rare of Haftorahs. Or you can go back to last week's share where I left the link for that share. But in the meantime, this week's Parsha for Vayigash we return to just a regular non-Triasar Haftarah that comes from the Nevi'im Achronim. We're still within the Nevi'im Achronim. Most of the Haftarahs come from the Nevi'im Achronim, though we have some, obviously, that are from the Nevi'im Rishonim, such as the, reg- the quote-unquote regular Haftarah from Miketz, which is from Malachim, not the first um, of the Haftarahs that come from Malachim. But we are now in Yechezkel, and it is the first of the Haftaros, of all of the Parshas HaShavuah that actually comes from Yechezkel. And Yechezkel is not an often read safer for Haftarah. It comes up a few times a year, and that makes this reading immediately an interesting reading. And not only that, but this reading from Yechezkel has a very immediate connection to the Parsha HaShavuah. You do not have to, you know, to turn your head any which way to be able to understand the connection, it's pretty straightforward. And that is because as the narrative of Parshas Vigash revolves around the reunion of the divided family of Klal Yisrael through that epic showdown between Yehuda and Yosef, there really could be no easier Haftar selection than this piece from Yechezkel. The piece comes from um, Parak Lamet Zion, and it, it starts from Pasuk Tezvav and goes all the way to Pasuk Chavches, so that's 37, 15 to 28. And before we actually get into the actual connection, I'll just mention once again that this shear is being dedicated to Her neshama should have the greatest of Elias. And now when we start to look into the Haftorah, so in this Haftorah, Yechezkel is commanded to write the names of the two stars of our Parsha, Yehuda and Yosef, he writes their names on two separate pieces of wood, two tablets of wood, and he's told to place the two pieces of wood together for everyone to see. He puts the Yehuda piece next to the Yosef piece. And the Navi anticipates the Haggadah-like curiosity, if you will, of the onlookers of the Bnei Israel who are going to ask, Ma'elalach, what are these to you? Right? It reminds us of Mahavoda Zoslachem. What is this Avoda to you? So in Pasuk Yerches, Klal Yisrael, they, they challenge Yechezkel and they ask, Ma Elulach, what are these to you? And Yechezkel, actually, in a very similar Haggadah like format, is charged to ultimately explain the Vihigata Levincha. He explains the significance of these wooden tablets. Very, very fascinating. And as it happens, Yechezkel is one of the Nevi'im where we find 
within the messages and the prophecies of Yechezkel, there's a lot of visual aids that are used, a lot of symbolic gestures and actions and objects that are used to represent different things. Within the Navi, you find plenty of that in Yechezkel. I would say you find it uniquely in Yechezkel. There are other um, prophecies and other um, liturgical passages in Navi where you do have that, but you find it, I think, more often in Yechezkel than in other um, Nevi'im. And so Yechezkel has these two tablets of wood, the Yosef tablet and the Yehuda tablet. And again, the, the Yehuda um, Yosef references make this reading an obvious choice, especially considering that Yechezkel is charged to do these, symbol, to do these symbolic um, gestures. Um, to, he, he's charged to do to these, these pieces of wood exactly what Yehuda and Yosef did with themselves in Vayigash, namely coming together, embracing, being united, so this factor alone is certainly fascinating and that the Navi goes out of its way to recreate this union between Yehuda and Yosef generations later, right? It's, 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 if, if you wanted a, not just a shout out, but, but like a glaring connection, you, want, you wanted to highlight the, the, the Parsha in a passage in Navi, this, this is the one. So we don't, you know, we, like, we don't have to go, go that far to explain it. But what I do want to explain is the significance of what the Navi is telling us. Because apparently, if it was important in the time of Yehuda and Yosef, in the time of the Shifte Ka, for those, for those individuals, our heroes, to reunite, so it's, it's interesting that generations later, Klal Yisrael had to see it again. We have to wonder why that is, and why history, in a certain sense, had to repeat itself, especially in that symbolic, prophetic form. So more than fascinating, I would say that this point is crucial for us because while we could have simply read the story in the Parsha, enjoyed the drama and the action, and then just moved on, I want to argue that this symbolic re-reunion featured in our Haftarah reflects deeper significance and meaning behind the narrative of Yosef and Yehuda that is apparently still relevant to us. The fact that we still read this Haftarah, the fact that Yechezkel had to tell Klaistral the contents of this Haftarah, our Haftar tells us that, in fact, our Sidra is not just a story about a man in a viceroy costume, a worried family, and a heroic brother. There is apparently something more essential to us as a people, that this story is still with us. So the question is, what is the takeaway lesson from this apparently important reunion? And the truth is that there is no simple answer to that question, but I would say that the starting point is the understanding that there is a virtually eternal dichotomy that reaches a sudden standstill in Parshas Vayigash. I'd say that much ink has been spilled to explain the differences between the different attributes and philosophies and metaphysical makeup of the forces that are personified in Yehuda and Yosef. If you had been following at any point to the Parsha Panorama series that we did, we focused in on this point that Yaakov Avinu, he was split into two camps, as the Torah describes it in Parshas Vayishlach, as Yaakov himself describes it. And we had mentioned that there was very deep significance to Yaakov's two camps, because in fact, ever since Yaakov took on the identity of both himself and Esav, when he put on the Esav costume, um, figuratively and literally, when he did that, Yaakov had to play both roles. He had to marry both of Lavan's daughters. And there was constantly this tension between the two camps. And we understand that there was 
a certain significance to Esav and his neshama, his spirit, a, a tafkid that he had that Yaakov had to take on while carrying the weight of his own tafkid. And this split, it continued to exist, and the, the conflict that it created continued to exist into Yaakov's children. Because Yehuda and Yosef, they represent the two pillars of the two segments of Yaakov's family. Yehuda representing the Bnei Leah on the one hand, and Yosef representing the Bnei Rachel. And some suggest that Yosef represents the, the Tzadik Gamor, you know, the, the completely righteous individual, the Chassid Meula, while Yehuda represents the ideal Baal Teshuvah, the one who has repented and he has returned from making any mistake that he had made in the past. Now Yehuda overcomes and does the Teshuvah to stand up for Binyamin, making up for the time that he had sold Yosef out. And Yosef, unlike what we find with Yehuda and Tamar, Yosef denies the, the advancements of Ashish Potiphar. And in a certain sense, we can, we can sort of see the connection almost going back up a generation earlier to Yaakov and Esav. I had heard um, a while back um, from one of my rabbis, Rabbi Yochum Konigsberg, and, um, you know, and you know, it wasn't his own idea, but I, I heard it from him, that Yaakov and Esav were supposed to represent that dichotomy as well. The Yaakov was the chosid me'ula, he is, he's, you know, he's the tzaddik, and Esav was supposed to be the kovesh yetzer. He was supposed to overcome and conquer his yetzer hara, even though Yaakov perhaps did not have the same kind of yetzer hara, the same netios, the same yegios, the same leanings that Esav had, but Esav was supposed to be a conqueror. Of course, you know, Esav dropped the ball, but in a certain sense, you can sort of compare that to Yosef and Yehuda, Yehuda who overcomes. And uh, Yosef, who you could say that Yosef, he mows down and plows down any challenges in his way. And Yehuda, on the other hand, has to, has to claw and he makes it there. But we see this dichotomy between Yosef and Yehuda in terms of the spiritual significance. So that's, that's not hard to see. And we know that both Yosef and Yehuda were destined to a certain level of malchus, of kingship. Yosef on the throne of Egypt and Yehuda as the ancestor of David HaMelech. We're taught that Mashiach will rise both from Yosef and Yehuda, respectively, with the coming of the Geula b'Mehera b'Amenu. There is a Mashiach ben Yosef and a Mashiach ben David, if that comes from Yehuda. So we have these two very different but equally necessary sides of the same coin. Yosef and Yehuda, in particular, are each the best of these two divided worlds. But the issue is, and has always been, that they are, in fact, divided. They have been divided perhaps since before their conception. We mentioned once again that Lavan had forced Leah and Rachel to become rival wives to Yaakov. And we know from tradition that Rachel and Leah, two exceedingly righteous women, had an intimate sisterly love for one another, and both at their own moments were willing to make sacrifices for one another. Um, Rachel to give over her marriage to, uh, to Yaakov, to give that over to Leah, um, and later, when they make the trade with the Dudaim in the night with Yaakov, and of course, you know, that Leah, she davens that Rachel should be able to have another one of the Shvatim, and Leah ended up having Dina instead of Yosef, and Rachel was able to give birth to Yosef. However, the tension that their statuses as co-wives had caused them was painfully palpable. That was also something that emerged from the text of the Chomish. 
And that tension was inherited by their children in even more extreme circumstance, circumstances, which tragically came to fruition in the harshest, most tragic form with Mechiras Yosef, the sale of Yosef, which we know was perpetuated by Yehuda. And yet among all of the murky actions portrayed by the various players of, ya- of the Yaakov family saga, the Torah never points an explicit finger at who is ultimately to blame, who is right, who is wrong, even when some of the sins are more discernibly wrong than others. So, for example, Yosef reported about his brothers. He spoke Lashon Hara and his dreams, which he would report to his brothers, which, at least from a simple eye, appear to be arrogant. And we would argue that that was the wrong thing, that Yosef was an instigator. And yet, on the other hand, we would also agree and argue that Yosef's brothers possibly overreacted by attempting to kill him and ultimately selling him away. So it's very clear that Yosef made mistakes. It's clear that Yehuda made mistakes. And Chazal tell us that Yaakov Avinu made mistakes as well, at least uh, when, when it came to how he treated his children. So whatever mentality each player had throughout all of these stories, justified or not, everyone seems to make mistakes and can take some of the blame. And of course, mistakes can be often rectified. People can learn from their mistakes. They can mature. They can do tshuva. When Yosef grows up, and Kaviyochel, he mellows and uh, for, from what we might think of on our level as grandeur, and he learns to relate properly with his brothers. And on the other hand, Yehuda learns about, again, for what we could say on our level, Yehuda learns about responsibility, achrais, and Messir nefesh, self-sacrifice. So there's certainly many lessons that emerge and can be learned from each of the individual mistakes our heroes have made and the individual processes that they have gone through to rectify those mistakes. Again, Yosef and Yehuda, they are pillars. But the respective faults and credits of our heroes are apparently not the greatest moral of the larger story here, at least not from the perspective of our Haftarah. Yes, we can learn a lot from Yosef and Yehuda, and they are both incredible role models. But our Haftarah tells us that the larger story here is about the goal of reuniting as a family and as a people. Above, we highlighted the question which the Novi anticipates that the Bnei Israel are going to ask Yechezkel. And we pointed out the resonance that that question has to our Pesach Haggadah. And more specifically, the question comes from the voice of the Russia in the Haggadah, the one that Chazal identifies the Russia, the wicked son who is challenging the father on the basis of his observance of the Pesach service, of the Karban Pesach. He asks, What is this service to you? In other words, why is it worth it for you to burden yourself? What's the benefit of doing it? And I think if you think about it, the Torah's answer, as well as the Haggadah's answer, is that our exodus, our geula, our redemption from Sheibud Mitzrayim, from the Gullus of Mitzrayim, depended on that sacrifice, on that carbon that we were making for Hashem through that carbon. Meaning that avoda, that he says, what's that avoda to you? Our lives depended on that avodah. We had no merits when we were sitting in our houses while Hashem was smiting Egypt with the miraculous plagues. And had this Russia been there, we tell him in the Haggadah, had he been there challenging the quote-unquote benefits, the perks of this service, we know that he would not have been redeemed. So now fast forward to Yechezkel, keeping that in your mind. Right? Keep your finger on the page of Parshas Vayigash when we consider the similar question of Ma'ilalach, the Bnei Israel, they look at Yechezkel holding up these two pieces of wood and they say, what are these to you? 
So it sounds like the innocent version of the question is, what is the purpose of these two pieces of wood? Why, Yechezkel, are you putting them together? But I think if you consider how Chazal understood the Haggadah, how Chazal understood, I should say, how the Haggadah understood the question of the Russia, I think there's more significance to this question. Right? Because I think what the people are really asking, and this is really what we have to understand, what, in fact, are the people really asking Yechezkel? Perhaps they are acknowledging the obvious challenges of bringing two worlds together, the burden of bending over backwards to put aside differences, perhaps humbling oneself, putting oneself outside his comfort zone and even sacrificing himself. When you consider it that way, the question ma'ilalach means, why are you burdening yourself? Is it really worth it to go out of your way to try to bring these two things together? And explains Yechezkel, just like the Haggadah tells us, Yes, actually, because your redemption actually depends on it. Your ge'ula depends on this reunion. Says the Navi, in our Haftarah, take a look, Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Chafalaf Techav Beis. Hashem Elokim, Ani Hagoyim. So says Hashem, I shall take the Bnei Israel from among the nations, Asher Halachusham, among whom they walk. Osam, and I'm going to gather them misaviv from all around. Osam elad Mosam, I'm going to return them. I'm going to bring them to their ground, to their soil. Osam I'm going to make them into one nation in the land. Skip a little bit. Velo od They're not going to be two. Nations anymore. They're not going to further be as two split, divided kingdoms. No, they're going to be one. The reunion between Yosef and Yehuda serves as a clear and obvious allusion to the eventual kibbutz galios, the ingathering of the exiles, at which time the divided people of the Bnei Israel will, with Hashem's help, become a united nation once again. And at the end of the day, the Navi is telling us that it could be and must be done. Yehuda and Yosef made it happen once before. When Yosef came to his senses and faithfully provided for his half-brothers of Leah, when Yehuda gave up of himself, of himself for Binyamin, a half-brother of Rachel, when the diametrically opposed forces of Yehuda and Yosef embraced and brought the feud to that standstill, they were able to create a redemption in their own time, representative of a larger Geula to come. If only we today will be willing to recreate the union envisioned and modeled by Yechezkel, which was originally modeled by Yehuda and Yosef. That's the question that we have to ask ourselves if we can do the same thing. And the question of Ma'elalach is to ask ourselves if we care enough for the Geula. Well, the question then is do we care enough? to have the ge'ula with our brothers. And this is not the same question as, you know, oh, you know, why can't we all just get along? Right? The question of, you know, if only the other one would extend himself. We're not, you know, we are not preoccupied with what our brother wants to do. We have to be preoccupied if we are going to reach out to our brother. Right, not not just assume when he changes, when he fixes something, I'm gonna I'll, then 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 maybe I'll, I'll extend myself a little bit. That's not how it works. When Yehuda and Yosef embraced, it happened because each one of them had the readiness, and not just the readiness that they are theoretically ready, 
but they are going to push themselves to reach out to the other. And that's what they did at that time. It's a question of if you care. That's what Yechezkel is saying. Ma'ila Lach says, why do you care? And Yechezkel says, well, you probably should. And until you feel that sense, until you light that fire under yourself and say that, yes, I feel that need because of the ge'ula, which depends on it. And that, again, not just that, oh, I'm doing it for the ge'ula. You should do it for the ge'ula. But you should do it, the, the attitude has to be that I'm reaching out so that I can take my brother with me into that ge'ula. Because you're not going to just get the ge'ula by yourself. The ge'ula is not just, you know, a ge'ula for me and gullus for you. If it's that attitude, then it's gullus for everybody. But if we have that attitude of, I want every single member of Achenu Kobes Yisrael to be a part of it. And not just, again, that, you know, the, 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 not, not just the rhetoric and the, the cliches about Achtos. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's for kids. And, you know, kids need Achtos too. But, uh, you know, this, this, this isn't color war. This isn't, you know, the, 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 this is not an example of... Let's just all be friends. It's a matter of understanding the urgency of our need for one another in like real life. And in the end, between Parshas Vayigash and the wooden pawns of Yechezkel, we can understand that it happened before and it must happen again. No differently than any other avoda which we must engage in when serving Hashem, this task, perhaps the holiest and most important in our entire avodas Hashem, is certainly challenging. And no differently than any other challenge that life places before us, this one will require siyata deshmaya. We need Hashem's assistance in order for us to reunite. But one way or another, it has to happen. And we have to make the strides to make it happen. Two opposite realities will necessarily be reunited in the coming of our redemption. And our job is to be able, not just able, willing, and actively willing, doing it, pushing ourselves to extend ourselves to our brothers to say, I can only have the ge'ula with you. May we all be zochah to do our part, not only to overcome our own personal challenges, but to overcome the challenges of division in Klai Israel, Not just politically, and not just, again, with, 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 with the cliches and, and platitudes, but, but in real-life terms, to reunite as a people. And Hashem should empower us to overcome all of those challenges, to reunite us once again eternally in gathering us from our current exile and sending us our final redemption with the coming of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David together b'mheir b'yameinu. If you enjoy this share and others like it on the podcast and you want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, you can reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Of course, if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the Database Podcast WhatsApp group for updates and links for every uploaded share, same place. Reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. Until next time, have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for joining us here at The Database.